When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. My origin story of you. <laughs> this is so f***ed up. I'm going to say it anyway. Um, I was like a real child of Vine, not in the creative sense, but like I was real. I really thought Vine was the shit. And so I'd watch all these Vines starring like whomever. And there was always like a dude 20 years older than everybody in the vines with like the best head of hair. You have the greatest hair of any middle-aged person. It's crazy. Like the hairline on this guy is nuts. And you're always funny, but I was always just like, what the fuck is the deal? Like there's all these like 19-year-olds and then there's like 40-year-old guy. Yeah. Like I think also like I think mainly it wasn't that you were old. You just looked terrible for 19 like everyone else was 19 and it was like who is this is this how old is this this is the most tired looking 19 year old What's up? Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Welcome back to All Good Things. I'm your host, Jason Nash. Uh, my guest today is, I can't even believe he's here. He's uh, a, a crazy, crazy uh, singer-songwriter, so talented, uh, won, has won eight Grammys, including Producer of the Year, Non-Classical, Record of the Year, Album of the Year, Song of the Year, Best Engineered Album. Uh, he's also nominated for Best New Artist for his solo work, um, and he's also won an Academy Award a Golden Globe and a Grammy for his work on the song No Time to Die. Ladies and gentlemen, Bryce Hall joining us. <laughs> Hi, Jason. That's Hi, funny. Wyatt. That was my big intro. That's good. Phineas, everybody. Phineas is here. <laughs> How uh, are you? This is in insane. Thanks for asking me to be on it. All Good Things, a really good um, podcast. Sorry, that's a creditor. <laughs> the IRS. Um, that's a really good name for a podcast. It is good. We yeah. sat for months and we sat there and we, we sent it out to people. And this was the one that kept, kept coming back because I guess people like positive stuff. Yeah, it's good. How many episodes have you done of this podcast? This is, I think, 15. I bet 15. the first seven you were like, guest lineup is crazy. And then like number eight, you were like, this is hard. Like, and you know a lot of people, but I feel like the guest format podcast is hard. We had to start in April. Uh -huh. And we didn't post until July. So we, we were stacking. So you're banking. I was, I was flying to, we flew to St. Louis to do Nikki Glaser. We flew to New York. Oh, wow. You're Florida. really like boots on the ground. Like I'll come to you. Yeah. That's smart of you, I, I think. I would have come to you today too. It's okay. I'd rather be here. Good. Yeah. Good. How are you? How's, how's things been? Things have been really good. The big news in my life was that I, um, I broke my collarbone like a month ago. Oh no. So hard. Um, and so... It's mainly been like a recovery process from that. How'd you do that? 
I have a, I ride one of those e-bikes, like a Super 73. I ride around my neighborhood at light speed. And uh, I was riding to meet a friend, a lot of friends that live in my neighborhood. And I was like, I'm going to go over there. And I was late. We were supposed to do a meeting. I was late for it. And so I was not thinking like, wow, I'm going way too fast. You know what I mean? I was just like, I got to, I got to get there. Yeah. Um, And yeah, just like classic, like was like cut around a street that was busy up on the sidewalk. There was like a tree root in the sidewalk, uh, flipped over the handlebars. At East Los Angeles, they've got tree roots, those <laughs> those damn tree roots. I mean, they, yeah, that is a very- They're everywhere. Yeah. Because, you know, the earth is shifting here. That's right. Yeah. Tectonic plate. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, flew over the handlebars, uh, was not wearing a helmet. So I, I, the two seconds I had in the air were, were like, cover my head with my arms. Uh-huh. And then I landed- um, and felt like a like saw like a flash of white light, and and stood up full of adrenaline and like checked my body and my collarbone was was like that it was like so Sticking you know out. so clearly bro it was tenting they call it tenting the skin, oh so I called my girlfriend um, who was at home and was like hey I just broke my collarbone I need to go to the emergency room <laughs> and so she picked me up and took me to the emergency room and I I felt. Like, I felt so stupid the whole time. Like, the whole thing felt like such an unnecessary... Yeah. I should have just driven to my friend's house. Yeah. I'd ridden the bike for fun. I'd been careless. I hadn't been wearing a helmet. Like, I felt so kind of embarrassed. Yeah. And I knew, obviously, that, like, the next month and a half of my life was going to be very different suddenly. You know? Right. We were supposed to go to New York the next day for some event thing, and I was like, I'm not going to be able to do that. So it was, like, it was a very frustrating experience that yeah. I had only myself to blame for. So we get to the emergency room. We went to Kaiser Permanente. Oh, no. <laughs> and um, that's, yeah, everyone I've said that to has said, oh, no. Every time I've taken a friend to Kaiser Permanente. It's not been great. No, it's not good. Um, so we go to Kaiser, and um, it was just the closest one. Like, yep. that was, you know. I know where it is. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I walk in, and I'm like, uh, I'm like, hi, I broke my collarbone. Like, I'm doing that. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm in so much pain. My whole arm is like killing me, and uh, and they're like, okay, like have a seat, fill out the seven, fill out a Bible's worth of paperwork, right? Right, right. With my, like my arm like <laughs> shaking works. like this, yeah. and we're you know we're in the 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 waiting room full of like people that are all suffering way worse than me. You yeah. know what I mean? That's the feeling you always have. You're in a lot of pain, and they and they have like the plague, like yeah, yeah. The, it's, it's gunshots. Terrible. Yeah, for sure. And so you feel bad. And, and I was, I was sitting there like trying to like fill this paperwork and Cla- Claudia, my girlfriend's like, I'll do it for you. And she grabs it. And I just went like, like passed out on the floor. Oh no! <laughs> and of course, cause it's an emergency room. Yeah. I'm like on the floor, like lying there <laughs> and a, and a uh, worker comes over and goes, you can't do that. And I was like, <laughs> I also don't want to be do- like, you know what I mean? Like yeah, 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 I yeah, yeah, would yeah. love to not be doing that. Yeah. And I was like, I can't sit up. Like I can't, whatever. Shock. I was in so much pain. And so they, you know, graciously did take me into a room at that point, something freed up and they put me in a room and get me on like a morphine drip. And, uh, and, and the, there was, a, there was so much skepticism in the emergency room of like, like, and everyone, I had to retell the story every time anyone came in. Right. And yeah, it was yeah. like, what happened? And I was like, I was on a bike and I broke my collarbone and they're like, we'll see if it's broke. I was like, look at my, look at it. It's yeah, so broken. It's sticking out. And they're like, we'll get some x-rays. And I go in to get my x-rays done. 
and the x-ray techs haven't been, been like prepped at all which is like again like i don't blame anybody for this they're an emergency room they're trying to make sure you don't die yeah but i go in the x-ray techs like put your arm above your head and i was like i can't <laughs> move my arm at all so they take an x-ray and they're like yeah like it's kind of broken like that was like it was like oh and they kept saying fracture yeah. and i was like I know that on a technicality, that means the same thing, yeah. but it's such a downplay of broken. Like a fracture yeah. sounds like a hairline, fra like something where there's like a crack. Mm -hmm. And it was like that. And so I was like, um, <laughs> I was like, well, what's the deal? Like, am I going to have to have surgery for this? Is this something that heals on its own? And, and they, the doctor's like, collarbones almost always heal on their own. Like, you should be totally fine. Yeah. Here's a prescription for ibuprofen. That's it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> And I'm, oh, and they had to cut my shirt off when I got there because I couldn't, like, get Was it get a good my, shirt? It was actually the worst shirt I, it was okay. my least favorite. I wore the shirt I, it was like that morning I was like, if I have to get a shirt cut off today, <laughs> this one. So I wore a shirt I didn't care about by happenstance, and they cut it off. And then I'm going to leave, and I'm in the hospital gown, and they bring in a sling for me. And they go here, and they show me how to put the sling on. And so I stand up, and I'm on morphine, and I stand up. And I get my sling on and putting the sling on makes me pass out again. So I like get the sling on and like have that like blood in your ears, like whoop, 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 thing. And I like lie down and black out again. And then I get up and, and Claudia's like, so you're technically dismissed, right? And I'm like, yeah. yeah. She was there with me all day, which is very sweet of her. And yeah. she goes, I'm going to go pull the car up so you don't have to walk all the way through the parking garage. Thank you. And so I'm in the hospital gown and I've got my sling on and I'm, I'm like morphined out. So I just am sort of like careless and and delirious and uh <laughs> and i go can i leave and they go yeah but you're not in your hospital gown <laughs> i was like okay you cut my shirt off like i don't have a shirt and yeah. they're like okay we'll go look through medical supplies for a shirt I go, okay and they're gone for like an hour and a half looking for a shirt right. after i'm technically like discharged like right. I, and i'm taking up a room like somebody else should be in the room yeah and so i'm kind of like anytime anyone comes by the door i'm like hello like doing that <laughs> why and, can't you leave in a hospital yeah, gown i don't know and it's just a um, bad look for the hospital like you're, i don't you've know. escaped yeah maybe what it would look fair like. enough and um anyway and uh and my friend calls because I was supposed to go to like a birthday party that night. Yeah. And I pick up like, like my, I had like a black eye and uh, we learned later that I'd fractured my elbow and I'd, I we just like everything was screwed up. Yeah. So my friend calls and I'm kind of like, I'm on so much morphine that like I've like, I don't care about anything. So I'm just like laughing about yeah. the I'm like, look at what I did. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline woman with like a cart comes to the door of my room yeah and i think like she's gonna put me in a wheelchair maybe get me outside or at least she has my shirt or whatever yeah. and she goes do you want a flu shot while you're here <laughs> <laughs> and i was like sorry and she was like flu shot you want a flu shot yeah. <laughs> which again it's like no one is no one's like there's nothing on the door that says like I mean, this yeah. guy's got broken bones <laughs> flu shot while you're here and i was like no i got a flu shot like a week and a half ago which yeah, was true which is true. and she goes oh okay great can I write that down? <laughs> I was like, sure, whatever. And I go, I'm going to, I'm going to go. Okay. And she goes, not in that hospital gown. You're not. And I was like, I was like, I don't have a shirt. 
and she goes, uh, here's, she goes, here's the shirt. And I go, thank you. But like, I'm in the sling, putting the sling on made me pass out. Like my girlfriend's gone to get the thing. Like no one's, I go, can you help me put the, can you help me get the sling off and the girl and the gown off and the shirt on? She goes, no, she goes, I can't help you. She goes, but you, she goes, but you can't wear the hospital gown. And I was like, so you can't, I was like, I have, I have this arm only and I'll black yeah. out if I do it myself yeah. and you can't help me change it. She goes, she goes, no, she goes, but you can't leave in the hospital gown. And I was like, I go, what are you going to do with the hospital gown? It's like covered in blood. Yeah. I was like, are you going to sell it? <laughs> that was the other thing I probably shouldn't have been doing all day. I was trying to make all of the people at the hospital laugh, like yeah, out yeah, of some yeah. trying to calm myself down. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh. And she was like getting madder and madder. Anyway, and you so never found out why you couldn't leave in it. Well, so here's the funny part. I go like, I go like, uh, surely there's no reason I can't technically leave in this. Yeah. And she was like, it's policy. And I was like, whose policy? Yeah. Yours? And she was like, no, it's like hospital policy, whatever. And the doctor who like, you know, whatever prescribed me the ibuprofen comes over to the door. He goes, why are you still here? And I was like, <laughs> they won't let me leave. I was like, they're trying to make me put this shirt on and they won't help me. And he goes. And she's like, he's trying to leave in the hospital gown. Like, isn't that crazy? And yeah. he goes, you can just leave in the hospital gown. And I go, thank you. And I get outside and there's two like guards, like yeah. cops outside. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> like screaming at me because no. I'm in my hospital gown. <laughs> Which I think is like fair. Like they're probably protecting against whatever a patient trying to leave when yep. they're on Medicaid. Like it's probably a good policy yeah. generally. And I'm like, it's all right. They gave me, like, it's fine. So I get home. I'm telling you the longest story to this start is this great. episode. Anyway, I get home. And, and again, like my arm feels like it's hanging off my body by muscle. Like there's no you bone. move it at all? Barely. No. Like it's like just, just sort of hanging. Yeah. Like I've had a stroke. Like I have like no, I can move my hand and I can't really do this at the time. And, uh, and it's the weekend, which means everywhere is closed. Yeah. And so I call enough people that a physical therapist is like willing to talk to me on the phone. And then he. I'm describing everything to him and he goes, he goes, you live pretty close to me. I'm going to come by and see what's up. And I, he comes by and he does one of those like, like he's like, Ooh, that's really bad. And he's like, I think you're going to need surgery for that. He was like, let me get you an appointment at Curlin Job, which I like, I don't know. I don't know any terms of anything, but a, a, now I know Curlin Job, if you can place to go for stuff like this. Okay. So on Monday, this is now I did it. I broke it all on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, just like at home with like my bones all broken. Um, oh, and he goes, it's not healing. Like he was like, he was like, the bone isn't like, it, it has to be lined up to start to fuse. So he's like, yeah. until you, until you get surgery, like you're just, you're not going to get any better. So on Monday I go to Curl and Job and I'm like, I'm pretty chill in situations with like doctors and stuff. Like I'm not panicky. I'm not like, am I going to be okay? And I think that that means that like doctors feel no need to have any bedside manner. Yeah. They're not kind of like, it's going to be fine. So I'm at Curlin Job and I go in to get x-rays there because Kaiser didn't give me access to my x-rays they took on Friday. I'd said like, can I have like a picture of my x-rays or like a link to whatever? And they were like, you can call medical records. And of course, medical records closed all weekend. So it was like right. this whole disaster. So I'm at Curlin Job getting new x-rays done. And the x-ray tech says something along the lines of like, oh my God. Like the, everyone's like <laughs> sci-fi movie level, like flipped out by this. And this is three days later. This is three days later. And they take the x-ray, which I posted on my Instagram, if you want to see it. Yeah. And the bone is like, it's so far away from where it should be. 
And they're all like looking at it and they're like, it's the worst one we've ever seen. Like they're all saying like the most hyperbolic stuff. I'd never, I'd, I'd be like, this can't be the worst one they've ever seen. And they're like, it is. And they're like, we'll have to, you know, we have to do surgery and you fractured your elbow. And, and then my self-diagnosis is that I sprained my wrist too, because it hurt a lot. And so, um, yeah, we did surgery on Wednesday of that week. So five days after the injury. Um, and then, you know, I started the recovery process for real. And yeah, what are they doing over at Kaiser? They were just checked out that day. You know, I think to 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 play devil's advocate, and this is like the first time I've talked about the yeah. Kaiser experience publicly. It's like they're making sure <laughs> you, this for TikTok. They're guys. making sure you don't die, and <laughs> yeah, like no. respect. And they have a lot of people. They have a lot of people. Yeah, I and, get it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, and um, and so like you know, respect. I think that ultimately, two things. Um, should I have been put into surgery that night? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like somebody, some like the person who took my X-ray that night should have said, "Oh, you should go get surgery right now." Yeah, it's a Friday. It's two p.m. I think it was like ten. It was like noon or something. Like somebody should have been like, "You, you should go get surgery right now." Uh-huh. Um, and they didn't, and that's whatever it is. But they're so busy, and once they could tell that like I wasn't gonna die, yeah, uh, you know they did. They they did a. I did a CT scan. They want to make sure I didn't have any um brain trauma from like hitting the ground. And, uh-huh. You know, so it was amusing to me and it was certainly in the moment that day frustrating because I think you feel a little like gaslit by being like, it's so bad. And they're like, you're going to, you know, you're going to be fine. But I was, you know, I was going to be fine. So did you, when you had that white flash, did you think you died at all or anything? Did you go anywhere? Did you? I was really (laughs) like on the bike ride. I was like, (laughs) like the two thoughts right before I crashed were like, this is so fun. (laughs) And then I was like. This is really dangerous. I was like, I was like, I should always wear a helmet. But um, have you ever had any um, accidents on stage? Because it, you know, when you're up on stage and you perform to all those people, right. it's, it's dark up there. Yeah, yeah. Like the guy from Twenty One Twenty One Pilots who does backflips. Uh huh. Off. I can't believe he's never sprained uh, yeah, an ankle or something. How? Like it's off crazy. the piano. It's and crazy. I've seen him do it three times. You know, I've, I, yeah. he does it every show. It's really, it's really crazy. Like not once. It's really impressive. Have you ever had an accident like that? No, I mean, I don't do backflips off stage. Um, I did do a solo run last fall that I had a piano that I would jump off every night. Yeah, you would. (laughs) I would, but I wasn't doing a backflip. I was just jumping down. Still, still, even that. And uh, I fell off the stage doing stand-up once. (laughs) (laughs) How deep into the set? That's embarrassing. How, 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 was it like a full hour? Right away. (laughs) (laughs) Instantly? You know, how much longer did you have to be on stage after you got back? Oh, I, I had to do another twenty minutes. Oh I've had some bad. Did stuff. you ever do anything in that set that was funnier than? Like, no, that's what I said. I said this. <laughs> and how can I top that? You can't. Yeah. Um. Oh man. Okay. So, like, God, I have so many freaking things to ask you. Boot it up. All right. Let's let's just get into it. First of all. We, we we have a piano here today for Phineas. Yeah, was, this was not. What was your reaction when you came in and you saw the piano? Because last night Wyatt was like, "You should, um, yeah, you should definitely call him and let him know." I want, <laughs> which you didn't. I want to say that the viewer should know that I did not request this or know that it was happening. Um, if there's any interaction with it at all, it was not premeditated by me. Um, and also shouts out to Jason's son Wyatt for setting it up and i just i appreciate i appreciate Wyatt as a person so and, as nice. a, and as a songwriter creative we, we were 
anyway. He, he has so much homework and stuff. And then last night I went over to his mom's house to get the piano and, um, and we were driving. I said, I said, I'll just go set it up. And he's like, you, you don't know how to do that. Like you, you, you know? And I was like, he's like, no, I'll come. And then so sweet. we were driving over and I, I just said, thank you so much. Why this is, is this so his nice. Nord. This is his Nord. Sick. This is a Nord that I, um, bought, I bought for a YouTube video for him. Very like to get like for a reaction video. <laughs> well, I don't think of it as a reaction video, but it was a great reaction. Um, this, uh, this is like this, the, this is like what I play on stage every night. It is. Mm -hmm. Oh, he said that he was like, North stage three is like the, the industry standard thing, weighted keys. And it's really great. And I, I run, this is so heady and techie, but no, like, do it, do it, do but it, I run, techie. I run like the onboard sounds. And then I also have it, uh, running MIDI through my laptop. So it's like a lot of the sounds I use on Billy's song yes. are triggered. But this is like the, you got the right one, Jason. Yeah, this is, we went, we went all out. We broke the bank for it. But anyways, we were driving over and he, he was so sweet. He was like, I was like, Wyatt, you have so much to do. You can't be doing this right now. And he, he just goes, he goes, it's Phineas, man. That's so sweet. Nothing else matters. And I have to tell you, one thing that you did, uh -huh. you probably don't even realize it. So amazing Wyatt made this Holocaust song. Oh, yeah, really good. Was this during COVID or was this pre... Was this like 2019? Yeah, this was pre... No, no, I think it was during COVID. Okay. It was during COVID. And Wyatt made this song about the Holocaust. And, um, he, you know, he was he was told to write write a write a story about the Holocaust, but instead he wrote a song. Anyways, he That's stayed great. up till like three in the morning. I thought it was really good. Yeah, and the fact that you DM me and said that it was, that good, was really good, that meant so much I to, meant like, it. to yeah, him. Yeah, I wasn't uh, like... Did you ever have anything like that? Did you ever have somebody like reach down to you like, "Hey, you know what? You got something, kid." I did actually, and Ooh. it was um and 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 it was very much like my parent that was the reason that they heard it, which is like the same as right? Yep. You know what I mean? Like he didn't send it to me. I heard it cuz I'd listened to you in like a podcast or something. Right. It was in the um, news, yeah. Anyway, um your parents were actors. That's right. right. So, but we knew um growing up through like a friend of a fr I feel like LA is like this cuz your kids grow up in LA too like there's this like misconception that like you're like, like my parents were first of all, like actors who were auditioning, like that was the category. Yep. So it was like mostly auditions and like once a year they'd be like, I'm a guest star on a yep. sweet life episode or whatever. So it was definitely not like movie stardom. Um, not to say that we weren't lucky to grow up in LA, which we were, but uh, mostly it was like my friend's dad is a set dresser for, criminal minds you know what i mean it was yeah. like very kind of like the industry of it all as opposed yeah. to like a bunch of movie stars but somebody we knew was friends with someone who was friends with someone who knew uh the producer butch vig who did uh oh. Nevermind yes. and siamese dream and no way and so as a kid like i was that was like i was very starstruck because i and when i see kid like 12 like i already really wanted to make music and you know and you like nirvana oh yeah and yeah. then at the time when i was 12 he had done the new green day record and i was like Noth nothing was cooler to me at 12 than like whatever Green Day was doing. Green Day was huge. So so that was really cool. But it was like, I'd get around him and I'd be very shy, you know, yeah. as a kid would. And my band, my like first band when I was 12, like would upload like terrible little YouTube videos of us. What was it called? What was your band called? We were called like Hollow Point Eyes or like The Dead Beats or something. Yeah. Anyway, um, we'd post like crappy original songs on YouTube. And my mom sent it to Bush Fig. And he wrote like the sweetest note, uh, 
you back, which was like, I was mortified that he'd seen it even, you know, but it was like very encouraging that he, Oh, and you pass it down to Wyatt. It was very sweet of him to do. Well, yeah, but you know, and maybe, maybe Butch Vig was just being nice. (laughs) Maybe he actually thought it was terrible, but I thought Wyatt's was like quite good. Like I didn't, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have encouraged him if I thought it was horrible. <laughs> well, no, because we didn't really know each other. We've only spoken no, once. No, yeah. We spoke we, once at a party. Well, my joke about you is that before today, every time I run into you, you introduce yourself to me for the first time. You, like, not like you don't know who I am, but you're like, hi, I'm Jason. Like, it's nice to meet you. And I'm like, we've met like three times. Like, every, like, it's very sweet. Because I assume you forgot me. I think that there's a politeness to it. Yeah. I think that, like, I try to do that to people. I, I have people that try to do that. To, I, I get it. Yeah, but it is amusing to me. Yeah, like, I know funny. who you are. Yeah, because I always assume that you're you're in a different world than I'm in. Uh, not that it's better or worse, but it's like you're meeting people from the music industry and whatever, and I just wouldn't expect you to remember. But I guess you're you're close with Mike, and you know David. I, and, yeah, yeah. Yep. So you know everybody. But yeah, I just I really just hate myself and have low <laughs> self esteem. I think my my that's what it is. My origin story <laughs> of you. This is so fucked up. Tell I'm gonna it. say it anyway. Um, I was like a real child of Vine, not in the creative sense, but like I was real. I really thought Vine was the shit. Like I watched a lot of Vines, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right? And so I'd watch all these Vines starring like whomever. And there was always like a dude twenty years older than everybody in the Vines, with like the best head of hair. You have the greatest hair of any middle-aged person it's crazy like the hairline on this guy is nuts and like i i just and you're always funny but i was always just like what the fuck is the deal like there's all these like 19 year olds and then there's like 40 year old guy like and it's and it was always like in the bit like you're always playing characters and shit and i was just always like and there it wasn't there was just one of you like there was everyone else was 19 and there was you and we were like me and my buddy we were like who is that what is the deal like how do they know this guy was so strange and you were so skinny in the those vines like the skinniest going through a divorce sure yeah you were all right let's call it divorce chic you're so skinny skinny. yeah 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 and so i just remember back out there yeah and then like as as time goes on there's like i feel like you got more and more of a presence on youtube and like i kind of like put two and two together and understood it all no, became I mean, very became very clear that you were a sweet guy, but I think initially on Vine with no context, I was like, <laughs> I think also like, I think mainly it wasn't that you were old. You just looked terrible for nineteen. <laughs> like everyone else was nineteen, and it was like, who is this? Is this? How old is this? <laughs> this is the most tired looking nineteen year old. <laughs> like, you yeah. look great for. No, I look 60 like or whatever you are. I, uh, I look like how, I mean, how old are you? I'm 49. Okay. But it feels like 60. <clears throat> so at the time, you were probably like 35. Anyway, but they were all no, 18, I was, 19. I was 40. 40. Around Vine. And then right. 41, 42. And then I was 43. I started YouTube. Uh-huh. 40. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a funny sentence? When I was 43. You were always very good in them. And it was all, it was just so strange. It was like what... Also, also probably what was weird too is like I'm... I. The big thing on Vine, the way you would get more followers is you would collab with people. That's what I'm saying. So then it's me with Brandon Calvillo. This is what I'm saying. 19. I definitely wasn't on your profile seeing you every time and being like, this is no, who this is. Popping it up. was like, yeah, some other 19-year-old. <laughs> and then a person I was, 15 years older. I was I was like literally broke at the time. And then I, um, I was just like on the, I had made a movie and I was like, oh, uh, maybe I'll get on this Vine to see if I can sell more movies. 
And I, um, I had my friend, Brittany Furlong, who is, uh, uh, she's just like, she had, she was really big on vine. She was like, Oh, I'll make some vines with you. And, uh, and then I, I, I got like all these followers and then I started making money and I was, I was like, all right, I got to do this, I guess. I think you saw it in a way that, um, most people who weren't growing up with it yes. didn't see it. You saw it as like a performance outlet. And I think that like, yeah, you know, that to me is like what, what all of those, all, they are, that's what they all are. TikTok. Was you like YouTube. 15 when you were watching me? I was like, yeah, at Vine, 14, 15. But like, yeah, I think that if more, if more creative like adults had understood Vine off yes. the jump, you know what I mean? Like, like look at what it did for you. You know what I mean? Yes. And that was, and that to me was you seeing it as like this, like not dismissing it. I think people are very dismissive of things people like that. People were so dismissive. Um, yeah. All the people that were my age were like, what are you doing? Like, why yeah. are you doing this? And I was like, no, I'm like, because I could see, we lived on this cul-de-sac. So it was all these kids around all the time. All the families would hang out, play soccer or whatever. And that's all they talked about mm -hmm. was Vine and Instagram. And did you, did you ever put music on Vine? So I guess you can't. Yeah, dude. Seconds. Yeah. That, yeah. I have, there's, I mean, Vine, I don't even know how you find Vine videos anymore. It's like on Twitter or something. Anyway. Yeah, they're on YouTube. But there's a little video of me singing Ocean Eyes. Like, really? Oh yeah, before it came out. And so, okay, Ocean Eyes, let's get to that. Sure. So that, uh, wait, that was the song. Yeah, right? I was in a band. What uh, was the song that broke you? I was 18. Broke Billy, yeah. I was 18. I was in a band that was like, you know, mediocre at best. But we were we took it really seriously. We wanted to have a career in music, especially me and the drummer really did. And we both do now. That's Martinelli, so, right? Yeah, Martinelli. Yeah, the Wyatt was telling me about it mostly. And the um, the uh, the song that we were doing was the song Ocean Eyes, and I thought it was not being done justice by like us as a band. I was like, this sounds very, uh, it had, like sounded like bad uh, bad Soundgarden. Yeah, I love Soundgarden, but it was like I w wasn't really right in my voice. And Billy was thirteen at the time and already had such a gorgeous voice and was sort of interested in this like in the kind of, at the time, which was sort of new, was this kind of alt-pop um, vibe of, like, production and, 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 and uh, like, I'd credit, like, Lapsley, um, uh, Oh Wonder, Aurora as these kind of, like, reference points for, like, color palette. Mm -hmm. And and we were just really interested in, in what those. What does that mean, color palette? I guess, like, when I think of, like, production. So, like, my band was very traditional. It was, like, drums, bass, guitar. Yeah. And and the stuff that I just referenced, Lapsley, Aurora, was like very kind of like alternative sounding percussion, like drums that weren't a drum kit. They were like sounds. Yes. Um, cool synths, a lot of vocal layering, and maybe like no guitars, like on anything I just uh -huh. referenced. Which was a cool, fun thing to experiment for me. And I was trying to learn how to produce. So I, I produced uh, uh, the song Ocean Eyes. She sang it, killed it. We put it on SoundCloud. It was the third thing we put on SoundCloud. And it really did happen. It was like one of those viral things. It was like overnight, like a blog picked it up, posted about it. I don't, I never found out. It was this blog called Hilly Dilly. I never found out how they found it. Um, Crazy. And again, it was like, you know, her profile maybe had like 200 followers or something. It was very small. And it wasn't like an overnight, like a million. It was overnight, like a couple thousand. Yep. But then it was just like exponential growth over time. It was like a couple thousand a day, 10,000. What 000. was that period of your life like when you're watching that go up? What do you think? Such a relief. Yeah. I, I wanted to have a career in music so bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was 18 at the time, which I know is young, but I'd wanted to do it since I was 14. Yeah. Actually, really, since I was about 12. 
But so I was 18. All my friends were graduating high school. I'd been, uh, I'd not gone to high school. I'd just tried to be a musician and an actor all through high school. right? Yeah. Yeah. And so at 18, I was like, my friends were all kind of like graduating high school. My best friend, David Marinelli, was um, also not going to college. So I think we had this kind of like, what are we doing? Like, was this a mistake? You know, I felt this sort of weird, like, beholdenness of like, you know, like I felt like kind of responsible. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you and, have a job? Huh? Did you have a job? No, I mean, I was, I'd made enough money from acting that like I could. Oh, that was your job. I could live at home. Yep but pay for everything. Yep. I'd pay for everything except rent. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and um, yeah, so like when the song started to blow up, it was like, I was so like re- relieved. I was just like, oh my God, maybe I'll get to have a career in music. Yeah. And I was stressed out because I think like I had a lot of like, not even imposter syndrome, I just like felt unqualified. I was like, suddenly we were like meeting with labels and whatever and you know, they're like, what else you got? And I was like, I barely know how to produce music at all. Like yes. I just started doing this really. Um, so the whole first kind of year, the first EP cycle of her project was like, I just felt like so kind of like in over my head, everything was like watching YouTube tutorials on how to do stuff. And like, it was really challenging and we'd go and, and I would say not to discredit, I know a lot of really talented producers, musicians, but we did go in with a lot of like some, like some of my favorite producers ever in the first, like. 15 months of Billy's career. Like they like was like, who do you love most? And we'd say so-and-so and they'd be like, so this was produced by this guy. Do you want to do a session with them? And that was so cool. Like who, who? Um, uh, we, we did writing sessions with, um, um, Justin Parker and a producer named Robopop. They did the song video games by so Lana they Del brought Rey. You, they brought you, they, big, everybody big was very right generous. Away. Yeah. I'd say like about a couple months in, we were getting to like go into rooms with them and, and it was really, I'm very grateful to those um, people for being willing to like work with, with really young yeah. kids who had almost nothing out, um, which was really cool. Of so them. your experience with your record label was a good one. They like, they got it. It was. Yeah. And um, I, I think when I think about, you know, the Billie Eilish stuff, yeah. when I remember when it came out and I've seen you guys play probably seven times Wow. Um, because we were, we were out and about. Uh-huh. At, at the same time, yeah. you were out mm-hmm. playing so many shows. That's right. You'd, you'd just pop up at like Acoustic Christmas or something. I know, it's true. I would see you at Coachella mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and just incredible. And, I, and what I remember saying about that music, what I, I thought, you know, it's so incredible because no one asked for it. It's <laughs> a really good way to put it. You know, you know what I mean? No one, no one said like, hey, let, let's get this like rock sound that's dark. Right. And uh, it, but it, it did remind me of Nirvana. It, wow. In, in terms of it was like, what? That's so cool. Like, what? what is this? Because I remember I was in college when Nirvana came out and Nevermind came out. And we all, we all literally all stood around and we were like, what the fuck? So cool. Like, this is, and, and I felt the same way when I heard. And a lot of that has to do with um, the maturity of, like, her voice. She's got such a it's crazy unreal. instrument. Yeah, her voice is crazy. And, and uh, you know, and to to put a button on the, like the doing sessions with other people. Like we did write, I think with Justin and, and Robopop, I don't think we wrote like anything, but like with a lot of those guys, we did write songs, but it became one of those things where our favorite stuff was always the stuff that we were just making at home. Yeah. So that was very, that was a good self-esteem booster it was like, wow, we went and wrote a song with like our hero and it's good. But the one we like even more is the one we wrote at home. 
Yeah, and that um, that um, that room was made famous in the doc, yeah, the, the, the R.J. Cutler little doc, tiny bedroom. Is, yeah, I mean, what did you think of the doc? Um, well, that's funny. Okay, to bring let up. me say, yeah. as a viewer, yeah. we watched it. We were it's was, it was one of the best rock docs I've ever seen. Thanks, it's so good. I mean, what did you think? Well, I they I remember R.J. I remember meeting R.J. for the first time in like the fall of 2018. The doc came out beginning of 2021, and in 2018 it was like there was. RJ was at our house. Justin, the head of Dark Room, which is where the imprint Billy signed to, was like, you know, saying saying stuff that at the time we're like, all right, shut up, Justin. Like he was like, he was like, she's gonna be one of the biggest artists of all time. Like saying stuff <laughs> like that, and we were like, shut up. Like that's so like, who knows, you know? And I think you have this feeling of like, I've I've had this feeling a couple times. I'm just super lucky in this sense where people bet on me, and I'm like. Are you sure? Like, you know what I mean? Like the most recent example is like, uh, I scored a couple of movies and like yep. the, f the people that are like, you can do this. And I'm like, I don't know if I can do, it. I've never done it. And they're like, no, I know you can do it. I'm like, how do you know if I don't know? You know? Yeah. And the doc felt that way too, of like, we're going to make a documentary about you guys. We're going to, we're like, we're going to devote, you know, a, a camera woman and a, and a boom guy to you for a couple years. Yeah. And you're like, word like you think like we're worth following around for nice. a couple years and the first period of time was like pretty mortifying just because you're self-conscious about everything in your messy room and you're arguing with your family and the way families do and it's crazy how i mean you 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 uh you're in the youtube space so you're familiar with documenting your you put life yourself out there like that and it's, it's almost immediately forget that you're being filmed like you yep. it's crazy how quickly you're just like forgetting there's people there's a glass wall and people watching um so yeah i mean i remember when like a couple years had gone by and they really caught everything and i remember like i remember like there's a couple moments and and they're in the dock like uh I remember Coachella weekend one of 2019. We had a lot of technical difficulties. Our stage was kind of a disaster. Yeah. We had a we had Vince Staples come out and sing with us. His mic wasn't on. Uh huh. We went I on, was there. Yeah, we went on like 45 or 50 minutes late because the stage wasn't like able to be built. It was like it was yeah. crazy. I, I, I remember I was unable to get to it. Yeah, that's how crazy it, it was. was. Crazy, and. Uh, and so because we went on so late, we were playing during the headliner. We were playing like Wall Tame uh -huh. Impala was playing, which was like, you know, you're like, oh my God, like who wants to see us instead of Tame Impala? It's like the feeling in your own head. And uh, anyway, I remember like Billy and I feeling so defeated and walking through like the hotel hall after yeah. the thing. And there's like a camera right behind us. <laughs> and I remember thinking like, God, I hope this is halfway through the dock. Like I remember, I remember thinking like, this better not be the end of the yeah. the dock. Yeah. Um. And uh, yeah, I mean, I I think that the thing that I feel in summation about the dock was like, because I've seen it once. I <laughs> saw I saw the like uh, I saw the a couple cuts before the final cut. Yeah. Um, and that was about all I could take. But the um. It's not spun, which I think is really cool. I think, unfortunately, you grow up and realize that most great, like, art docs that you've ever seen, film, music, mm -hmm. they have a pretty contrived narrative, ultimately. I wish that wasn't true. But yeah. there's a lot of, like, oh, this is a setup. This is, like, we they put everybody in this room and they made them talk about this thing and cry. Like, yeah. and because a lot of our doc was, like, 
GoPros. Yeah. Like we had GoPros in the studio. So there didn't have to always be a, a Jenna, the, the camera operator, or like, we just like, my mom was really great about like just putting an iPhone filming in the corner of like the kitchen while we all yeah. talked. There's a great scene in the dock where the camera's mostly on you. And and you're just standing in the kitchen. Yeah. And then an argument, not yeah. an argument, but a discussion. But that ensues. stuff was like so, like, like when I remember watching the cut, I remember being like, oh my god, like I had so little awareness that we were filming at that point in time. Yeah. So, There's all a, that's like a testament to the fact that like that's that doc is very accurate to the way that life felt for those couple of years. Yeah, it's really tough. That one of the, my favorite moments is you go, you look at the camera, and you go, the record company wants me to write a hit. But Billy doesn't want me to write a hit. So I have to write a hit and not let Billy know I'm writing a hit. So good. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, that's like a lyric in itself. That was a stressful period. And you don't know how to write a hit. Nobody, nobody <laughs> knows how to write a hit. Right? That's the craziest part. Nobody knows. Like, you, you know how to write a song that's sort of formulaic and has like a catchy uh -huh. part. But nobody knows how to make a hit. Yeah, you really took And a nothing feels weird. Nothing feels worse, and everybody's done it. Nothing feels worse than putting out something where you're like, if this isn't a hit, then what is it? You know what I mean? Like yeah. where you, and I think that that's like we try to always not do that at this point in time where we try to, like it has to be substantive enough that like we just love it. And then if it is popular, it's popular. But it's not like, like I think we're in a period of time this is my observation of pop music anyway. Where like we're in a period of time where like I think TikTok is to thank for a lot of this. That like most of the stuff that's a big hit was made with fairly pure intent. Mm -hmm. I think there was like a couple years a couple years ago there was a lot of like you guys were just trying to make hits. And like mm -hmm. I don't know that this is even very artistic, but it's a hit. Right. You know, like a I think like people can sniff that out. Now, and I think that the stuff is that's blowing up is like weirder and weirder because I was just having this conversation with a, with with Benny Blanco actually because we were look we were watching Marvin Gaye videos on YouTube. We were talking about how incredible Marvin yeah. Gaye was, and I was like, let's talk about gatekeeping. I was like, Marvin Gaye exists, and somebody and I know nothing about this, so some aficionado of Marvin Gaye's careers can correct all this, which is fine. But use Marvin Gaye as an example, but anyone in that era. Marvin Gaye is incredibly talented. There's probably nine other guys almost as talented as Marvin Gaye. The label's like, we're giving Marvin a contract, not the other nine. We Only him. Yeah. We're putting Marvin Gaye in a room with the greatest band we can assemble in the nation and the greatest producer. And we're, you know, either Marvin's writing the song or co-writing the song or it's being given to them or whatever, if it's not Marvin. We're a and ring it so meticulously. We're getting the, the best song we can possibly get sung by the best singer, played by the best band. And then we're going to put it out and it's expensive to make vinyl for a label. And so we're going to really focus on this one. We're going to really push it to radio. Quality control back then was so gate kept by big, big music, so to speak. Because it was like, how you know, all the stuff that I talk about that, that why it is the beneficiary of like all the sort of self release self-promotion stuff like it didn't exist yeah you couldn't like it, was, yeah. it would be ludicrous to try to go to a studio and try to press your own record and try to self-distribute like you needed the big machine and so it was like the music that came out and the music we look back on pretty good you know what i mean like yeah, pretty yeah. hyper controlled 
And now, but also harder to break into. And now we're in this period of time where it's like anyone can make anything on their own laptop and post it immediately. And if it blows up, it blows up instantly without the help of almost anyone. Uh And then the industry kind of plays catch up. And so it's like, it's, it's led to like more music and less polished music and more unconventional music, which I think is like all a good thing. Right. But it also means that sometimes something blows up that's like kind of bad, but like has some great thing some some nugget of like yeah just a really really great exciting you know um element to it and it blows up even though it's very unfinished and the mix is not very good and it wasn't even mastered and uh-huh. you know what i mean and like i'm pro all of that but it is interesting to think about like and that's what we get on tiktok we get that 10 seconds and have you ever have you ever been listening to a song and you're like two minutes in, and then you hear the TikTok the part, and you're like, "Oh fuck, that's from TikTok." Oh, I see it. It yeah, shows. Oh my god, my pussy's on fire, or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like, let my pussy on fire, whatever. Explain was, what song is this? I don't know. It's it usually up? some hook that's insane. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm old, but it it is something. Light like, my pussy on fire. Yeah, it's something like like the other day, my 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 13 year old, she was like, <laughs> she was like, "Do you want to hear uh, Drake and 21 Savage's new album?" Oh my god! And I was like, "Yeah, of course." Yeah. She puts it on. The song's Pussy Pussy and Millions. That's the name of the song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know it? Yeah, of like, course. I was like, "What?" It's a really good album. What's going on? Um, the um, 21 Savage is incredible. The um, yeah, he is. The I don't really know him. I just said that. <laughs> the yeah, I see it at shows a lot, or I see it at festivals. Like you. This, the artist is playing the song and you go, oh yeah, I recognize this. And they get to like verse two, line one. And the audience is like, and they sing it as loud as possible. And yeah. then the next two yeah. lines and they're kind of like <laughs> tuning out. I've seen some artists like fuck with the audience because of it too. Right. I feel like, uh, I feel like Steve Lace. I've seen some videos going around of Steve Lacey with that awesome bad habit song. Oh, like, I kid- wish I knew you wanted me. Yeah. I've seen some videos him. of him fucking with the audience of like, They'll sing the verse, and he's like, "All right, next verse." <laughs> he's like, "It's like, come on, like, right?" Because it's true. This the soundbite is so pervasive that it let me overshadows ask you about two, Let me ask you about two things before I forget. You said Benny Blanco. Yeah, you co-wrote "Lonely." That's right. Unfucking real. Thank you. I mean, what? That's great. I That's a, that, up this that was a, that was a great time. That is an incredible song. Thanks, man. And Justin Bieber killed it. Makes it look so easy. He I mean, killed it. He's so so smooth. So talented. And and um, when you write that, are you in the room with him, or you send your part in, or what is it? Um, th- for that song, Benny and I sat and wrote it. Yeah, and and gave it to him, but it was very bespoke. You know, it was. Uh, What's bespoke mean? Bespoke means like tailor made, custom made for yeah. the yeah, yeah, it was written for individual. Him. Like that was not good. I know what that like means I've now. written songs. This has happened a couple times. Like you write a song and it kind of is ambiguous mm. and you you send it to your a and r and go like do you want to give this to somebody like you know right that song was like benny and i were like let's write something for justin unreal benny has a long history of making great music with justin yeah. i obviously had none but yeah. i was excited about the opportunity and yeah it was just it was just about you know and i, I don't like i was literally putting words in his mouth like i you know what i mean like yeah he uh I don't know that every line of that's how it feels, but like, I definitely was like, who came up with on God? <laughs> I don't think we say on God in that song. Isn't it? Isn't it on God running through the also like a track star? Oh, that's uh you're singing. Um, you're singing. Holy. Holy is a great song. Okay, what did you write? Lonely. 
Close. Um, Fucked up. Lo- I bet. I bet. Holy, he co-wrote. Did that's you? Th- are the words on God and lonely? No. Okay. So we're the, good. that's very funny. The um. Uh, anyway, but wait, yeah, wait, just, doesn't he go? It's so lonely, lonely, lonely. That's lonely. holy, 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 holy. <laughs> You're being very funny. The. Uh, the I just <laughs> fell off the stage. Doing so stand-up. funny. Um, yeah, I the the line that Benny and I wrote was. Um, uh, Cause I have everything, but no one's listening, and that's just fucking lonely. And he changed it to "I've had everything," uh-huh. and I was like, "That's like that to me was like all the difference." Yeah, between I have everything and I've had everything. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. kind of like it's jaded, just such a smart. Like I was like, no, that's what I was trying to say. Like he said it so much better. Right. Um, I met Benny once. The yeah, the be- Benny and I worked together a lot. The first time I met him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to Charlie Puth's house, yeah. and so I was like really excited. He's awesome, uh-huh. Charlie Puth. You know, it's like he's showing us how he sing, he has perfect pitch. That's and, right. And um, and then this guy like comes in all disheveled, yeah. fucking big <laughs> afro. Charlie Puth's got a nice house, and he's just and he just like sits on the couch with like a burrito. Yep. And yeah. I, and I was like, oh, that must be Charlie's like go to guy. Like that's his pool boy. <laughs> Or something. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's the guy that, He's like... He's made, like, every hit song you've ever heard of. Yeah, that's the guy who goes to Ralph's to get, like, Charlie oh what he needs. And then, you no, know, and then, of course, we find out it's... Yeah. Fucking... The dawn of pop music. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he... I've learned so much from Benny, and I talk about this with anyone who'll listen, but, like, I first... Okay, so, like, when I started to write and produce for other people, I'd get in with an artist, and I... I wanted to be useful so bad. Like not so much that like I had like an ego and wanted to come up with all the ideas. You know, you're sitting in a room trying to co-write a song. It wasn't so much that like I wanted to write everything. I just wanted them to think that I was like good. So they'd work with me again. Kind of, you know what I mean? Like I had this feeling of like, if they sit there and they write the whole song and I just sit there. Is this post Billy or pre Billy? This is like early Billy. Got this it. is like first eighteen months. You start getting a lot of calls probably because you've you've stu- yeah, you, like you not, have this sound. Yeah, but not from like right? huge artists, from right. like other people like that are Ash. Stuck. Yeah, like random random people that I'm like meeting and working with. Ash is incredible. But the um but yeah, so I, I start doing these sessions and I just wanna be I so badly wanna be useful. I wanna just like be in the room and like be contributing. And, uh, and I think that ultimately, I don't know if you polled the people, like if they'd say this was true, but like, you know, ultimately, like I probably got in the way of some good ideas just by like being too, too spitball-y, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, like an artist was probably trying to think about their life experience. This is like early days trying to think like through the, through like how to articulate themselves. And I'm like, what about this? What about this? Sure. What about this? Too eager. Yeah. And it's like, uh, you know, and I've now been in enough rooms with people that do that, that I know what it's like to be on the other side of that yeah. too. And so when I first worked with Benny, Benny's been a part of so many incredible songs that his approach is so, he's such a listener and a reactor. And I think when I first worked with him, like I didn't understand it at all because I was like, he's just sitting there. <laughs> That's what I thought when I was watching him with Charlie. And, and I, and I'll write a thing and he'll go like, yeah, I think the first part's good, but I don't think the second part's like good enough. And ultimately, like, my ego as a young producer was so kind of, like, whatever, defensive, maybe. Uh-huh. And then over the years, like, Lonely is like, such a great example of, like, never would have made that song without Benny in the room. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. in terms of, like, somebody somebody 
just kind of like watching the process happen and being like, Ooh, no, no, no. Like, and the court, and what if the, what if the hook is just something like simple and we spit back and forth and one of us says lonely and he's like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like yeah. somebody who's got a discerning enough, um, ear. It's you on. Play, you could play it. It's on. You could play it if you want. Yeah, but the, but I am holding a microphone. I'd have to play. We have a, we have a mic over there. <laughs> the um the anyway, it was just one of those things where it was like, was like, uh, I learned a lot from Benny, yeah. and I and I've tried over the years to be to incorporate that more and more with artists. Because have you ever met Rick Rubin? I have. Yeah. What? Why is he so good? I think it's I think it's the same. Rick and Benny are are to my knowledge also like dudes that can do it all you know what i mean like if you if if you said to rick you know write and and sit at the keyboard and produce this whole thing he could do it he did it for years he did it with run dmc and the beastie boys and jay-z yeah jay-z and benny too benny like those early like katie perry records and um he did a lot of stuff with spank rock and, and um I yeah he uh but like can do it all so it's like mm -hmm. it's it's there's no deficit there's no like like, oh, they can't do it, so they just sort of direct. It's like they can do it. They're just choosing to be more of a guide and a listener and, and uh, you know, sort of a backboard for the That's ideas. the part that, that's confusing to me. It's like how does he go from so many styles? How he, does he produce Jay-Z yeah. but also produce Katy Perry but also produce Kanye? Yeah, it's incredible. I don't know. I'm getting yeah. it. Rick but I guess very, it's like a director in a way. Yeah, like Rick Scorsese is very or, philosophical and and um, a real appreciator of music. And you know, I think it really it does take some um, it does take an objective view to sometimes know. I feel like I th I feel like this every day. I, I write a song almost every day, and it's like what? Yeah, I think do you most, really. I think most songwriters do, to be honest. A full song. Yeah, you know, or like three quarters of one, a verse, chorus, verse, whatever. Wow. But the um, do you walk around and? yourself and record not, things not or? really yeah it's audio sometimes yeah. or whatever because you use sounds a lot mm -hmm. in your things what's what's the sound that you've recorded that you're like wow i can't believe this made it into this big record um um like I, in the in the doc i see you you recorded just matches yeah just, that just was a, cool a match strike. that was cool the match strike thing was cool i like literal stuff if there's like like if the song is about you know being underwater like i like i like doing stuff like that but i do like the kind of more abstract world of it of like some good texture that nobody would know and makes it in there oh it's God. really cool cool like bird bird sounds and so you, you talked a little bit about like them giving you because this is what i think happened yeah to, on, on my end yeah. i see it and i go oh this guy and his sister fucking came up with a whole new sound that no one's ever heard before it's it's like you know it's it's everything everyone's listening to and then they say Oh, we want you to work with other artists and stuff. And then they give you no time to die, right? <laughs> so, so what was that like? So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try to answer that in three parts. Okay. I think that it's, I don't feel like we created like a whole new sound as much as we failed to sound like whoever we were trying to sound like. There's, really? There's a John Mayer quote that's like originality is failing to sound like whoever you're trying to sound like. Oh, so Which is a great observation. Great. And I think it's pretty true of kind of all art. It's like inspired by some artist and you try to paint like them and it's like you do something different and that's why it's unique. Right. So like there's a ton of great artists that like, you know, are huge influences on me. They're, they're usually like unexpected, like somebody like My Chemical Romance. Like I wouldn't make the kind of music I make if it weren't for My Chemical Romance. But I don't make My Chemical Romance kind of music. But it's like, 
there's that's a that's a spice that's a secret spice in the mm-hmm. recipe um so we make all this music it gets way more popular than we think it ever is going right. to get like yeah i mean our expectations were so much less high you know we were ambitious and we wanted to make something good but like we didn't think we were like again it's like if we'd tried to make a number one album and we'd tried to make a number one song like we wouldn't have made that album we wouldn't have made bad guy it's like a good example of like you know unconventionality uh-huh. and the sort of exactly what we're talking about of like making something for the sake of it being popular not really what i'm interested in doing uh-huh. i'd rather make something and have it not be popular but i love it yeah or it gets popular accidentally than uh-huh. like make something just so it's popular and it either is or it isn't but i don't like it either way uh-huh. um one of our goals forever and it was always like pipe dreamy was like we're pretty insular it's like billy and i write and produce everything ourselves um, and so we have A&R meetings. We have a great A&R named Sam Reback. Um, John Janik at Interscope's great. Justin's great. We'll have these meetings a couple times a year of like, all right, what's, what are you guys into? What do we, what should we do? What kind of outreach? Because most of the time we're just like sitting in my room making music. So it's not a lot for them to do on the A&R side of like yeah. setting us up with collaborators and whatever, which is a big part of the music industry. It's like uh-huh. introducing people. And we said pretty early on, find out if they're making another James Bond movie anytime soon. You said that. Oh, it was like a lifelong dream of mine. Really? I always wanted to do a James Bond theme. And I was like, see if they're making a James Bond movie. Anyone we can meet and tell that we love James Bond themes and, and the and yeah. the film. Well, no time catalog. to die fits in great with you guys. It does, yeah. yeah. And we were like we were like, find out. So they did, and they were like, you know, at at shows throughout twenty nineteen. We'd kind of get these like, hey, we're bringing some people from MGM by to the show. And I was like, oh, awesome. Okay, we're bringing, uh, all right, uh, Barbara Broccoli, the, the, the child heir to the Broccoli estate, who's, who's like the, the head honcho producer of James Bond. Like, she's willing to come see your show in Ireland and talk to you guys. And we're like, cool. And so, yeah, we got given Barbara. This was all very much like an audition. Like, there was no kind of like, congrats, like, you got the gig. They're like, we'd love to see what you come up with. So they give us, Barbara goes, we can give you access to like the first like 20 pages of the script. And I'm like, great. <laughs> she goes, it's right up to where the song comes in in the movie. The song doesn't exist. So they give it to us. We're on tour in Texas for like a week doing the festival, Austin City Limits. And we're like in green rooms. And they're, and they're like, um, if you want to submit something, because there's like a bunch of people submitting stuff, sure. like a bunch of like people that I think are super talented. Yeah. Like, if you want to submit something, probably it should be, probably you should submit it in about seven days. <laughs> and we're like, okay. And we, we fuck around for a couple days on ideas and nothing's feeling quite right. And then I started playing. Okay, that's what I was going to ask you. You came up with this? This isn't Hans Zimmer. This is you? Unfucking. And I was like. I was like, okay. And and it was like almost immediate. Like once that existed, I was like, okay, this is going to be fine. And yeah. then, oh, and here's the other thing. When we write songs, typically it's all sort of like lyric and melody simultaneously. Like what would be a great lyric? Okay, let's figure out the melody for that line that we like and sort of improvisational. For this, because of the nature of like the movies and they, they almost always in, interpolate the melody of the theme throughout the score like so like 
a melody that a singer is going to sing in this theme later, like a string suite is going to play. So it has to be very melodic. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so for this song, it was like every lyric was the melody happened first, which is very rare for us. Okay. But we just, we were like, that's how it's going to go for this. So I remember like the, once we got to the chorus, which is... Um, <laughs> all just like just that kind of like um like it's all that melody because we we're like that's gonna sound really beautiful done by strings two and a half hours later in the movie so you don't have any of the lyrics yet no we just wanted to just have the, the melodies right and then we you know just put lyrics to all that stuff when you guys write songs like that are they first person that's a great uh, question, and in this case, we chose to make it all first person. We chose to make it, even though Billy's singing it, and she's not Daniel Craig, and yeah. whatever. She, we were like, we're singing from the perspective of the is, is person. bad guy is first like, person? Yeah, bad guy's first person. It is. We write some third person, we write some narrative stuff, but most of the time it's like first person. But it's not our own experience all the time. I mean, James Bond certainly wasn't. You weren't a secret agent? No. Although it would be a cool job. In your bedroom where you and Billy made all those albums, did was it ever smelly in there? Was there ever was there ever an Uncrustables uh, <laughs> uh, sitting around? Anything like that? Did it ever get rank? I was always pretty I was pretty tidy as a kid. I kept my room pretty clean. It's tidy in the dock. And um for you. nobody ever like we didn't have like housekeepers or anything. So like that was just me. Um and uh and I like I like a candle. I'm a candle guy. So it's like my my place always smells pretty good, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, scent is like a big. I'll spend a lot of money on fragrance, on perfume, and do you candles. wear fragrance on your body. I do, yeah. You do? What do you yeah. like? Um, I wear a lot of Le Labo scents. Um, I'd love to be. This is a funny, like goofy tangent, but like, you know, when uh, somebody has like a scent, where you're like, where you smell it at the mall, yeah, and you're like, that's that's Jessica, right? Yeah. I've always wished that I was that way, but I'm too, I'm too interested in like fragrance. So like I wear different stuff all the time. You know what I mean? What do you mean? You always, you always like I'll switch it up. Like I don't wear like, a, like, so, like people often you're like, do you wear cologne? Oh, I see. And they either say no or they say yes. And they're like, I wear Chanel this. You know what I mean? Yeah, like they yeah, wear yeah, like yeah. Chanel blue forever. As you get older, you'll probably just pick one. I'll just get lazier and lazier. I think so. Um, Anyway, so yeah, I've kind of always wished that I had like a scent that was like the way that I smell and everyone knew it, but I'm, I'm, I'm too ADD. You smell great. Thank you. Um, okay, I wanted to just go through a couple of things that yeah. really struck me. Okay, I love the song Love is Pain. Thank you. Uh, there's the line, some of your writing is, your lyrics are so fucking good. They're Thanks, like man. Bob Dylan. <laughs> this one gets Love me. is Pain. That sinking feeling that you get when you say something you'll regret. Say something you'll regret. Because <laughs> you were jealous of some stranger. Stranger that she met and you were gone and feel insane. <laughs> love you're is pain. Insane love is um, yep. You know, I'm going through that right now. Mm. You know, it's tough. It's tough to, uh, to, like, love somebody. I think that being a fallible human being is a kind of an embarrassing experience in some ways because I think if you're rational yeah. and you feel that way, like that, that line is uh, um, uh, that, sinking f uh, that sinking feeling that you get 
when you say something uh, you'll regret because you were jealous of some stranger that she met when you were gone, you feel insane. So that's like a big yeah. like story of my life in terms of like I'm always on tour. It's, that's how I And so it's it. like nobody's nobody's doing anything wrong. I'm away. Nope. Nobody's like nope. gone out without, no, no one's like, I'm going out and you're not invited. I'm just not home. Yeah. And somebody has a, a fun experience that they're super entitled to and maybe I have like FOMO or whatever and I'm, I'm jealous, you know? Yeah. I, and I think you have this kind of feeling of like, I know I shouldn't be, but I am. And I think that that's like, yeah, I've never felt entitled to envy or frustration. I've never felt super self-righteous, but I still do feel, yeah, whatever, jealous or left out or, you know, a, a heartache in ways that everybody does. But I, I, I always feel kind of embarrassed by it. I guess if you weren't jealous, then you wouldn't be in love, right? To some degree, yeah. I mean, I try to always be, I try to I try to go love first. I try to be like, I really want this, I really love this person, so I want them to have the best day they can have. So yeah. why would I want to be jealous of them having a great time? You have to realize that it's much more about you and like I'm in a hotel room eating yeah. crappy room service and I wish I was there. I love the song Till uh, Til Til Forever, Forever Falls Apart. Shout out to Ash on that one. Um, She's so bomb. It's very... It's very end of the world, that song. Yeah, I mean... Is that written over COVID? Uh, yeah, it was. She, she's, Remember when we all felt like, oh, we're all going to die? Oh, this is it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought when I heard it. Um, there's, Yeah, she's she's a, a once-in-a-generation songwriter, in my opinion, and I think her stuff is going to age like wine. Like, I think she's going to be just as good. Like, the music that she makes now is going to be just as good 30 years from now. Incredible. Um, but yeah, she asked me to be a part of that song. My favorite part about being on that song was that song is very romantic. Um, but Ash and I are just like best friends. Right. And so I, I felt like this opportunity to write very honestly about how much I love her and we're only friends. And yeah. so there was this kind of like that, whatever the line is like, there's nothing more romantic than so dying with your friends. So this is how it friends. ends. I guess there's nothing more romantic than dying with your friends. Yeah. So. And I think that like, I just felt very lucky to have the actual bond with her that That's I so do. Because I think if I'd been asked to co-write that song with a stranger, I probably would have just made it up. I would have just been like, I'm so in love with you, whatever. But it was yeah. like this person that I love super deeply and we've now known each other for years and, you know, through... Uh, through relationships so cool. and divorces and yeah. stuff. And um, and I think that's why it resonates with me. Because yeah. yeah. when I think of it, I think about my friends here in LA. Yep. Yep. And I always want to say, you know, you always want to say that yeah. to them. But they'll yeah. be like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> you know? <laughs> There's a really great song by Jensen McRae called Immune, I think, that is all about uh, getting vaccinated at Dodger Stadium. <laughs> it's really great. Really? Yeah, it's really cool. Um and the chorus is, uh, what will we say to each other when the needle goes in? And then, and then what will we be to each other if the world doesn't end? Yeah, Which yeah, was like yeah, very yeah. much so like the last two years, I think, was this kind of like everyone like, fuck it. And then it was like, hey, like we might actually, we might actually as a species, like we might actually kind of make it through this, yeah. this thing. We can get back to climate change and whatever. And obviously a lot of people fucking died. But like broad spectrum species, human. I made it through it. Uh, moral of the story. Yeah, the moral so of good. the story. Oh my God. Unreal song. So good. Can, can we play it? Can you play it? I can't play that one. Um, I'd have to figure it out. I didn't write a word of that song. I just produced it with Noah Conrad, who's incredible. But that was, that was to me, 
this is kind of funny. That was um, like right after Ash like signed the divorce papers oh. of her marriage. And um, sometimes when people go through like tragedy or trauma like that, I'm like, it's probably going to be a really good album. Like, like I know that's like super, you know, opportunistic or something. But it's not so much that I'm like, ooh, like let's make something great. It's like they're like they've got a lot to say. So if they're gonna say it, like this is gonna be powerful. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And she played me moral in the in like my car one day, and I remember just being like thinking it was brilliant, and then having so many ideas. And a lot of the time, I just tell people I think it's good. I don't I don't try to like give a bunch of ideas. But I was like, oh my god, I was like, I hear this on it, and I hear this thing, and then. So I ended up executive producing like the two EPs that she put out that year, which were Moral of the Story Part 1 and Part 2, which were full of really good songs. And I remember Moral of the Story came out and didn't even get on like New Music Friday, like on Spotify. It wasn't playlisted at all. And I remember kind of having this feeling of like, the song's incredible. Like, what's going on? Like, this is great. This should be a huge song. Yeah. And it wasn't. And so you just have to kind of be like, Okay, well, I think it's incredible, but um, it isn't. It isn't. It isn't working. And a year later, it was in the "To All the Boys I've Loved Before" too. Um, all the boys I've that loved like before. Noah Centineo. Oh um, yeah, yeah, Noah Centineo. Lana, yeah. Uh, 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 Condor, Lana Condor. Um. That's, anyway, is that the movie? Where he's like a teen gigolo or something. <laughs> We watched some, Charlie and I watched some Netflix movie where Noah Centineo was like, These, this girl needs a date to the prom. And so she's like, yeah, call this guy. He'll he'll come and be your date. And it's Noah Centineo and he's good in it. Huh? Which one is that? What's the what's that movie? I think that is one's, that's Mike called. Is this Mike in the Wayfarer? So no, my this camera? is fine. We're good. That movie's called Teen Gigolo starring Noah Centineo. Um, the, anyway, Sorry, but I remember she said to me like, yeah, I guess there, I guess uh, Moral's going to be in To All the Boys too." And I remember thinking, like, well, that's good news. And and you never know what that means. So like, a movie can can tr- push a song Well, up. this is the thing. So I knew the first one was huge. You never know if the sequel is going to be as big. And then also, when somebody sings your song, sometimes it's like playing in the background of a scene at a bar. And it's like, it's there, but nobody knows. And you got, like, a paycheck because they used the song. But it's like, it's not an exposure tool. Yeah. It's just sort of on. Yeah. <laughs> and I... I, I, the day this movie comes out on Netflix, I'm like, let's see where it is. I skipped to where it is. <laughs> and it's like a huge montage. And the lead girl in the movie sings the song, uh-huh. like lip syncs the song. And I called her and I was like, this is going to change your life. Like, I remember being like, you don't understand. Like, this is, this is like, tomorrow's going to be a different career for you. So cool. And it was, it was like overnight and she, you know, could suddenly sell out venues twice the size it was pretty awesome and what was so validating and it changed not that i wasn't necessarily doing this but like it reaffirmed to me that like a good song is a good song Mm -hmm. is a good song and like release week like the day the song comes out if it doesn't blow up does not mean you should discount a song a year from then because it didn't blow up it's like it's just kind of an exposure like recognition tool you know all these all these uh people watching that movie it's like they would have liked the song a year ago when they heard it but like it wasn't exposed to them they didn't get served it so that it really changed the way i thought about it 
Um, okay, here we go. There's some, there's some other things I need to tell you. Okay. Okay. Um, okay, break my heart again. Yes. Did you, uh, so go ahead and break my heart again. Leave me wondering why the hell I ever let you in. You yeah. The definition of insanity or am I? Oh, it must be nice to love someone who lets you break them twice. Mm. That's like so fucking crazy. Thanks, man. That's, did yeah. you have your heart broken? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm like a serial, you know, like monogamous heartbreak junkie person. Like every, I feel everything way too deeply. Really? Um, yeah. And I, so that song was about um, my, my, the first person I ever felt like I was in love with was when I was like 13. So take that as you will. I don't know. I don't know if, I don't know how deep it was at 13, but it felt very deep at Did 13. Did you, so this was the person bad to you and you let them back in? so much that they were bad to me as we were just like really young and you know didn't work out because we were thir- we was like not 13, adults yeah. and then I was 18 and we like reconnected over the summer oh so that's the twice while they were home from college and we started dating again and it was pretty great and then it did invariably like start to kind of fall apart and I was like dri- I remember like driving home one day and the chorus being like on the drive home being like oh like, I know. So it just comes to you. Yeah, I mean, and that song was just, like, making it rhyme. That was, like, just what was happening to me. Bob Dylan said that. He said, um, yeah. I saw an interview with him later in his life, and he goes, he goes, oh, all the songs I wrote, they they don't come to me anymore. He goes, they all, wow. they all came. Uh, he goes, he, he would say, I didn't write them. That's what he said. Yeah, he they goes, came through them. me. Yeah, or, yeah. yeah. Have you ever heard him say that? I haven't, but that is, is a pretty common like refrain for songwriters that sort of like happens to you. And Does that happen to you? Yeah, not always. And I'm also <laughs> like, I'm a big advocate for like the puzzling through stuff. I try to, like, it, it doesn't, it's not always easy. And I try not to pretend it's always easy, you know? Like I've written stuff I think is great by working really hard. So yes, yes, yes. Like flying out. Just working at it. Yeah. Okay, hold on. One more thing. Yeah. Um, Kid Cudi. Oh, cool. You have the number, you have a song with Kid Cudi that is 37 seconds long <laughs> and it hit the Billboard Hot 100. <laughs> is that true? That sounds, <laughs> that sounds like it might be true. Uh, here's what happened. Cudi is so nice. Yeah. Um, I get, I get put in touch with him somehow and this was during COVID and um, he was just super generous and um asked me to come by and kind of like listen to his album and I brought my laptop and um and we just sort of like listened through the album and I thought it was really good this is man on the moon three right uh his producer on that record probably a couple people but the his primary producer is this this guy dot the genius who's really talented mm-hmm. production was really good and so it was just about kind of like adding a little like textural stuff like some synths on top um and I think stuff I did on two of the songs maybe made it. Uh-huh. Um, but that was like, I love, I love little things that are like just being involved in, like I wouldn't have like, that was not a wasted day. If none of that stuff ever right. like happened on that just album. To go sit it was with just Kid cool. And yeah. And like it. hear yeah. his album and talk to him about music yeah. and get hot boxed. I got super hot boxed <laughs> that day. Like did you get a contact high. The studio was like half the size of this room. I don't believe in contact high. I don't think that exists. Hmm, I was so stoned. Like, <laughs> really? Yeah, they're smoking a joint and they're like passing it like, like across my bot, like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like here, you know. Yeah. And they were smoking all day. Yeah. Um, 
you know, do do your thing. But I was like not smoking that day. Mm-hmm. I've actually never smoked weed, but I, but I, <laughs> anyway. I wasn't smoking that day or any day. Or ever. <laughs> um, anyway, but they're like passing. And I remember getting home and like having like, like looking in the mirror and having like very red eyes and Claudia being yeah. like, you're so stoned. Okay. Like, so in a small enough room with enough weed. I don't understand how people smoke pot all day. Tolerance, right? They must just get a crazy tolerance to it. I guess. I don't know how they function. I mean, I, I, I don't know. They were, they were, you know, they were deep, deep in it, having complex conversations with me about music production and philosophical, you know, debate. It was, it was fascinating. I was like, you guys should be catatonic right now. And they're, you know, not at all. He's really regarded as like top, 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 like. In terms of rappers that like are respected I by think, the industry, right? Kid Cudi. I think that he, my at least in my view, like he, he did what I think people accredit Billy and I with a little bit, which I don't give us credit for. But like he, whatever rules were in place, like he was like uh, breaking them. Like songs like "Pursuit of Happiness" to me were like, like the fact that he was like singing the whole time, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that I think that that song is co-produced by MGMT which is like uh-huh. the coolest idea to have those guys do that. So like, like, yeah, he's like a, uh, um, what do they call him? Like a disruptor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, is it okay if I use the bathroom? Really yeah, quickly? go ahead. Where is it? Super far. Just, just right upstairs. <laughs> okay. Guys, today's podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. Uh, what a wonderful company. What a wonderful app. It is the only ticketing app that I use. SeatGeek is an app that allows you to buy tickets to sporting events, to live concerts, uh, to the opera, to live theater. Uh, I've seen Hamilton through SeatGeek. I've taken my dad to see the Celtics through SeatGeek. It is a crazy, crazy great app. And right now, there's an incredible offer that we offer here every week when we have SeatGeek here. What that is, is you get $20 off your first order when you use my code Jason. So you, all you have to do is go to SeatGeek.com, put in my code Jason, J-A-S-O-N, and you're going to get $20 off your first order. I mean, that's incredible. What a deal. Uh, we recently saw Harry Styles. He was fantastic. We saw him at the forum. We got our tickets right through SeatGeek, um, had them right on the app, four tickets, uh, opened the app right when I walked in, scanned the tickets, go right in, no problem, didn't have to print them, anything. And, uh, and of course we got great seats. Thanks to SeatGeek and you can too. So, uh, go download the app today, go download the SeatGeek app and enter my code Jason and you'll get $20 off your first order when you use my code Jason. So, and my thanks to SeatGeek for sponsoring this podcast and now back to the show. Um, I think this is an extent, this is an insane lyric to write when you're 14 or even when you're 21, you guys wrote bad guy. I didn't. Well, yes. Did she write this or you? Let's find out. So you're a tough guy, like it really rough guy, just can't get enough guy, chest always so puffed guy. Yeah. It's, like, it's a badass song. It's a badass that was lyrics. such a fun song to write. We were just, we were just Wait, having fun. I'm that bad type, make your mama sad type, make your girlfriend mad tight. Right. Which is kind of sexual. Yeah, I mean tight, like in the, like. Or uh, uptight. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yes. I mean, it could be taken either way. And then the last line. Might seduce your dad type. Wow, funny, right? Fucking great. Like, so badass. Yeah, that was like uh, that was like vulgar Dr. Seuss. Like, yeah. Fu- yeah, super fun to write. Yeah. And where did she get that from? Where you, you guys just... We were just going one for one on that. We were just like, what's the next... Like, we were just like, you know, like if you and I were sitting here coming up with the next line in that oh, can, sequence. Can we? Can we go up with a song? <laughs> 
This, you know, this is my <clears throat> one. I think that's why I put the piano here today is because it's like. Let's write a song. <laughs> um, yeah. No, that was so fun to make. Cool. Split the publishing 50-50 or. Wow, that's how it works. <laughs> yeah. You know, when people say uh, that the money is all in the, you don't have to give me figures, but when they say the money is all in the publishing in music what does that mean don't you get paid like two ways or something you get paid for the writing and the recording or something um the money's not in touring it's not <laughs> not if you want to pay your crew well and have a put on a good show well, we went and saw harry styles last week right i surprised jess for for whatever and uh for a video what was it oh for, for a video a reaction yeah a reaction was it your birthday or something great re- not even great reaction um, cool. Um, he puts on a great show. It was a, it was an awesome show. But we were trying to we were trying to put together how much money if he played the forum nineteen times, right? What is that? How much is that a night? Well, so here's the deal, right? This is I don't I don't know any of the specifics on Harry, so right. I can't I can't guarantee this. But like when you hear okay, so like multiple nights in the same place, yep. generally advantageous financially because right. you're not having to tear down and set up. Yep. If you're doing what Harry's doing, which is like so many shows. You can't do them every night consecutively because you'll die. Like your voice got will sick. give out. And so you do like two on, one off, two on, one off. The forum's a venue. So they're putting other shows in. So they're still having to tear down his show, oh. take it out of the venue, and then rebuild it like every couple days, which is so much work for them. So it's it's like it's the nicest for Harry who doesn't have to travel around. He's like in L.A. Yeah. doing all these shows. And he's done like he did Chicago, Texas. Um, I think he, what did he do? Austin or MSG. well, MSG, but in Texas he did like some city. I forget which one. Um, anyway, so it's like nice for him because he gets these kind of residencies, but they still do have to tear it down and put it back. So go back to what you were saying. The money is not in touring. Not really. Not if you're like you could like not if you're like if especially not in like a pop stars tour because <laughs> they're making a lot of money on merch and stuff, but like. The expectations of pop star production are so high now. I mean, Harry Styles is like a good example. He's in the round. He's got like the screens all around him. He's got the ace band, whatever. And like, and then you go on to like somebody like The Weeknd who's playing these arenas with like flames and 45 dancers and all this insane stuff and a huge band. It's like, it's just really expensive to put on a show like that. And then there's just fucking travel costs are insane right now. Uh Like, you know, transport costs, literally flying your crew everywhere. It's like just a fortune. And we know that there's no money in the, the downloading, obviously, anymore. There's, to- there's totally money in, there in Spotify and stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's not money. There's not, like, cocaine in the 80s money. You know what I mean? Like, they're, like when you talk to, when you talk to, like, moguls from the 80s, they're like... <laughs> It's grotesque. You know what I mean? They're like, my car was gold. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. my car shot gasoline out the back yeah, like yeah. it was propelled <laughs> off a jet of gasoline and you're like what the fuck were you on in the 80s you're like don simpson yeah. yeah yeah so there's maybe not that but like there's plenty of money to be made and it's also like uh, like to me i philosophically my whole thing about about so like i was a limewire child oh i remember limewire yeah and i was a Stole. i was a u-torrent child you're and what child? u-torrent u-torrent yeah for music. And you know why? Because it was so easy. It was yeah. like, you know, you press a button and you're like, oh, the entire Led Zeppelin catalog is like, like suddenly on your iPod. And I remember when Spotify's beta came out in 2011, 
I remember being like, this is way easier. Like this is so much easier than torrenting music. Yeah. yeah. Torrenting, you go to a website, you go to a downloader, you load from the downloader onto your, like it's in your downloads in a folder and you put it in your iTunes, like many steps. And Spotify is like an app on your phone, every song you've ever wanted to listen to. Yeah. Um, and I remember just thinking like, oh, this is going to kill all of music piracy. And it did. And like, yeah, yeah it's paying like whatever it is. It's like pennies, a 0.01 or something. But the stream equivalents are insane. Like, like no, no albums are regularly selling billions of copies. You know what I mean? Albums mm. will go multi-platinum and sell a million. Like Billy has several songs with, with billions. billions of stream. You know what I mean? So the, it's so exponentially different that it's like, it kind of equivocates in some way. Mm -hmm. But yes, so I've heard about the '80s that there was even more money, and 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 in terms of when you write a song, yes, you do get paid for the publishing. When they say that, because I've heard you get paid for two ways. Isn't there two sides of a song? That you publishing and songwriting. What's the difference? You'd have to have my attorney explain them to you. <laughs> um, yeah, and then as a producer, you get you get a, a master fee. Like for for the song production, like sort of a one time fee, and then you negotiate like points on a river. I see. So like, but that's kind of like the equivalent of um, a painting or something. Like you buy it from the person. Right. You know what I mean. And so, what are you doing like right now? Like through the holidays, you're going yeah. on tour again. You're going to be gone. You're going to Australia, right? Yeah. So right now we're in the first. I'd say we're in the first third of making Billy's third album. Which is really I read fun. that today that you're you're making. That. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah, yeah, she went public with it. Yeah, I saw it on um, Stone. Yeah, it's so fun. We're in the we're in the like nuggets of stuff portion of it. Like Where does coming that up with in a studio. Yeah, I have a home studio. home studio. Um, yeah, we're just making stuff and uh, so cool. and being very experimental. She's being very. I say this in like the most positive way. Like she's being very reckless and and, and cool. Yeah. Um and and. Uh, yeah, I think the the way to the worst way to make an album is to be afraid while you make it to be like, what if people don't like it? That's yeah. probably the most debilitating. And I think if you if you really want to make a great album, you have to just make stuff that you love and then worry about all that other stuff near the end. And is your relationship the same as it was in the doc, or is it different now? Like I remember in the doc, there was a great moment where she's like, "I can't." She's like, "I'm not good." She's better and better. I, and I thought like, she was... Trust me, you're good. I thought she was good then, but she's more and more confident. Yeah. Um, and more prolific. And, yeah, faster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Than she yeah. ever was. I mean, so, like, first album, uh, everything was a co-write except When the Party's Over and Strange Addiction, which I wrote alone and then gave, presented to her. Yes. Album two, Happier Than Ever, like, everything was 50-50 co-write. Uh -huh. So, like... We might bring each other in, like, I brought in, like, the hook, Try Not to Abuse Your Power, and then we wrote the song. And she brought in the hook of my future, and we wrote it together. But, like, everything we were we were both working on. Uh -huh. um, you can tell that when you listen to it. When you listen to the first album, you're like, oh, these guys have a crazy new sound that mm -hmm. I've never heard before. Yeah. And then you go to the second album, and you're like, Way of all. oh, shit, they've mastered it. They've oh, that's great. So they've sweet They've mastered you. the sound so sweet you. of the first album. And, uh, yeah, it, that It was really very shows. important to... To not try to remake the first record, too. To yes. like make a very different album. So the third album, you know, seems to so far be super 
super collaborative and you know to be honest like i think i i think we're on this album or the next album there'll probably be songs that she writes without me and i hopefully get to produce them but like she's better you know a, a bigger and bigger force as a writer in my opinion um which is super sick so i'm working with her i'm producing and writing a lot with an artist named lexi jade who's really great um and then benny and i are working on some stuff and then um, I've got some some more like film TV scoring stuff, which is you're doing something for Pixar, right? Pixar, we did. I did that you Turning did Red right? movie with Billy, which was so fun. Yeah. Um. So that was a blast. And what do you do? Like, um, what do you do with your girlfriend? What do you do with Claudia? You just for fun. On? Yeah. Uh, we have, we like we love like hosting. We'll do like you know have friends over, make oh, them dinner. I've heard, and... I've heard already. There's a major Christmas party that happens. <laughs> <laughs> and I've had a few friends that have popped in there, and they said it is That's very pretty sweet. fantastic. We did have a really good Christmas party last year. It was really good. We're having we're having um we're having a roast the same night as your Christmas party. Of who? Uh, we're roasting. Uh, oh my god, fun! Yeah. So there's already talk um, of uh, problems <laughs> that people can't go to both. I'm not going to say any okay. names. I think uh, I think yours is the they they went to mine last year. Last year was last year we we had our Christmas party like arguably the day where we probably shouldn't have because it was like Omicron had already like <laughs> so so our our it was I got kind of blasted for this fair enough but like we were it was like the day of it was like almost too late to cancel it you know what I mean yeah, yeah, like yeah. it was like we our kitchen was like full of food you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, but I don't want to make anyone feel unsafe. So every, I sent a text to everybody that was like, obviously don't come if you don't feel safe. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. But we're going to test everyone when they arrive. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. And we did. And nobody yeah. tested positive. Right. And, no, and there was never, like, I checked in with everybody, like, the days following. And nobody, there was no, like, outbreak from our party Look or anything. You following up. Um, Very good. Yeah. Because it was important to me. I was yeah, like, if we're going to do this, I don't want it to be like, we all got fucking COVID at his party, you know. So that was important. Do you want to have kids? Someday? So bad. Yeah. Yeah. What's your, what's your, uh, like I have a pit bull. Yeah. I've and, seen her. I've seen her in the, and I love my yeah. dog yeah. and my friends are like, my friends are like, I want to get a dog. And I'm like, don't get a pit bull. <laughs> <laughs> and I love my dog, but she's so much work. It's yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like so high maintenance. Yeah. So, so that's like, I'm, I'm usually like, do you, do you have, how much time do you have to devote to the, like, do you have, is, are, is your relationship with kids a little like that where you're like, best thing that ever happened to me? So much work, like, wait. Um, yeah, like, it's, uh, it's the best thing you'll ever do. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait. How old are you? I mean, you? I haven't won eight Grammys, but, but, uh. I like the idea of my, of, like, my kids being like, am I the best thing that ever happened to you? And me being like, <laughs> look at my shelf. Um. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I didn't name you Oscar. The, um, the, uh, how old were you when you had Owen? Sorry, Wyatt. Wyatt. I was, uh, 30. He's 16. I'm 49. I was 33. Early 30s, like when I want to do it. Yeah. So I got a couple years. Um, okay. So let's, can can you play us something? (laughs) Jesus Christ. Um, I would just love it so much, you know, because let me tell you why. I never was able to play music. Mm. So you have, so you have to consider me. You know, I've been deprived my whole life. I don't have that talent. Right. And so I would just love to just... Sure. I just fucking... Um, I just think it's so great. Yeah, like, I'll do a little bit of the... Um, um, I'll do the Love is Pain one that you're talking great. about. Great. You got this mic? Should we need it closer? And again, you don't have to play the whole song. No, I'll play some of it. play a little bit. Yeah. 
Okay, how about this? Okay, two songs of yours. <laughs> two songs of yours. And then three three samples from Billy songs. Like just little little things. Like just do bad guy. Like just a little bit. Come on, man, I'm dying. Did I tell you, did I tell you I'm dying? It's not enough to be in love. You need to prove it somehow. It's not dollar signs or pickup lines or anything that you could kiss away now. That sinking feeling that you get when you say something you regret. Cause you were jealous of some stranger that she met when you were gone and you feel insane Cause love is pain Say it's not okay to feel that way What's wrong with me if honestly I wanna be the only way she can be? That hollow feeling in your chest as you both wordlessly undress after a fight. It's getting late and you tried your best until she cried and you're to blame. Jason. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that was, I haven't done that song in like a year and a half. I was like, see if I remember all these. I had a very active brain during that of like, see if I can come up with these lines. You remembered it. Do you ever write a song and you go uh, and you hear from somebody like, yo, I know that's about me or something or. Yeah, I try to be upfront. You call them, you say, hey, you should know that I 
Yeah. Wrote this song about you. Yeah, I try to tell him. You like, do? Yeah, like this is a song. Um, um, sure. You get it. I'm loud. It'll sound good. Yeah, it'll sound good. All right, so this is one I wrote about my best about my best friend who. So, so we stopped talking for a while, and I I wrote this, and now we're best friends again. Okay. But I did. I was like, hey, I did write this about you. So. Really? Yeah. I lost a friend. Oh, I like keys in a sofa. Like a wallet in the backseat. Like ice in the summer heat. I lost a friend Like sleep on a red eye Like money on a bad bed Like time worrying about every bad thing that hasn't happened yet I know I'll be alright But I'm not tonight I'll be lying awake Counting all the mistakes I've made Replaying fights I know I'll be alright But I'm not tonight I lost a friend, I lost a friend, I lost my mind And nobody believes me They say I know that he don't need me Made a little too much money to be 20 and sad And I'll be fine without him But all I'll do is write about him How the hell did I lose a friend I never had? Never have. I'm on the mend Like I'm wearing a neck brace Like I'm sleeping at my own place Like I'm pulling all the stitches out of my own face I'm on the mend Like I'm icing a new sprain Like I'm walking on a new cane like it's been a couple hours since I slipped and said something sort of like your name I know I'll be alright But I'm not tonight I've been lying awake Counting all the mistakes I've made Replaying fights I know I'll be alright But I'm not tonight And I'm on the mend But I lost a friend I lost my mind Nobody believes me Say I know that he doesn't need me Cause he made a little too much money to be 20 and sad And I'll be fine without him But all I do is write about him How the hell did I lose a friend I never had? Never had Thanks, man. Fucking A. Thanks, bro. God damn. So you called a friend before you wrote that and said, hey, this is about you? Oh, no, no. I called him. I was like, this is coming out in three days. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I, what I, did they I, say? I asked for forgiveness. You, <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, not like, I mean, like, I didn't, I wasn't like, is it okay if I write a song about you? I was like, yeah. I've written it about you. It's coming out. Yeah. I don't say your name in it. I don't ever have to talk about it being about you if you don't want. Yeah. But here it is. Yeah. Are they okay with it? Yeah, I think they were... You know, and I, didn't, I didn't want to leave it up to speculation. I wanted to be like, this is about you, obviously. Look at so. you. You do everything right. You call people. 
You let them know the song. You test people at the door for Omicron. <laughs> you, uh, you call the next day. Um, you're even kind to the people at Kaiser Permanente. They don't deserve it so much, but the, <laughs> they're doing their job. Oh, oh, one guy was wheeling me around at Kaiser Permanente, and I said, if you got in an accident, would you come here? And he said, no. <laughs> How crazy is that? I forgot that. I was literally on the gurney, and I was like, if you got in an accident, would you come here? And he goes, probably not. That's so crazy. Can you imagine, like, you imagine any version of that? You're like on a set for a movie and they're like, if you were the writer of this movie, would you hire you to act in it? And you were like, no, that's crazy. Yeah. I've had a bad experience at Kaiser. But everybody, every person I've said I went to Kaiser has been like, they've all done that. They've all sharp intake of breath. Ooh. I was like, how come nobody told me this the day before my injury? Right. Yeah. Is it fun to go to the Grammys? Super fun to go to the Grammys. Yeah. I would say that, I will say this about the Grammys. The cost, of the, the outfits are crazy good. So cool. So good. It's, the show is great. We were, the we show's were, always great. We, we lost everything this year. Like, we didn't win anything we were nominated for mm -hmm. this year, and it was the most fun I've ever had at the Grammys. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, Takes the pressure off. Well, that, but also it was like just, my point is just like, it was such a great show. It didn't matter that we weren't like winning. You know, they always do such those cool collabs. They do. And this year, Silk Sonic opened. Yeah. And like, I just love Silk Sonic. So it was like so fun. Um, I'll say this, like winning Grammys. I never really thought I'd do that. And then once I was nominated, I was like, ooh, I really want to win these. Yeah. And then we did. Yeah. And that's enough for me. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't I don't need to go win them again. I agree. So. I yeah, agree. I think you have enough. I just, yeah, There's I don't, I didn't even feel that way the second year. I was like, I don't think we need to win anymore. And we did. Yeah. But it's, yeah. And it's like, I, it's an honor to be nominated. It's still, it would still be an honor to win if we ever won again. I would not pretend it wouldn't be, but yeah. it's like, I'm, I'll be happy for the rest of my life to either not be nominated or to be nominated and lose to other music I like who haven't won Grammys yet. What's the difference between the Oscars and the Grammys going to the, to the, the show? The Grammys are well, like, <laughs> the Grammys are full of musicians who are like, the most disobedient group of people right. ever they're right. everybody's like drinking and walking around and they're like <laughs> we're back in 30 seconds and nobody's sitting down yeah. and everybody's like talking and like like having a crazy time and they're like five four and nobody's sitting down and so they come back from commercial and trevor noah's up they're like welcome back to the grammys and and they like pan over to the seats and everybody's like trying to find their and they've forgotten completely right. and the oscars are actors who are Act, you know what actors are? Employees. That's how yeah. being an actor on set works. And so they're like, they're like, we're back in two minutes. And everyone's like, like, it's so, it's so, um, it's such a machine yep. in a, in a positive, like everyone takes it so seriously. Um, and you played the live broadcast on both of them, right? Yeah. And that was that? stressful. What's that like? You just must've shit your pants. The, we did, we did in 2020, we did a cover of yesterday for the in memoriam. Which was so terrifying. I mean, that is the most nerve-wracking room to play for. In memoriam. In memoriam is like where they read oh, all the, the all the people right, who've right. passed oh, away that year. Of course, everybody. And died. then this past year, we did No Time to Die. Yep. And I'm so glad we had done it a couple years ago because it we just had that kind of like the jitters were gone. Uh huh. But it's still, so, you know, everyone in that room is like the most famous person you've ever seen. So you're like, it's like a lot of the time in the audience, you're like, maybe you see like. Uh, at a show, you might see like your girlfriend or your parent or something up in the balcony. You're like, I'll look at a stranger because it's like a little more like 
a little less intimate kind of yeah. having a moment with a stranger and it's cool <laughs> the oscars you're like whoa like it's all it's all just like you know any any celebrity you can think it's of bradley it's, cooper yeah, it's anyone in front of you exactly and everybody yeah. yeah yeah 20 celebrities 50 it's crazy it's like so it's so intense you get nervous when you play shows or no almost that? almost never for stuff like that yeah for stuff like that coachella big sort of like one-off opportunities that are like if you blow it, you blow it. But normally shows are like, you're like, I got another one tomorrow. Who cares? Okay, this is the last thing we'll do and then we'll, okay. we'll let you go. This is just Wyatt's questions that he had for you. Yeah. Let's do it. How to tutorial for bedroom pop. Cute. Um, you know, he's doing it right. He's doing it right. Cool gear. Got any cool gear for him? Ooh, um, 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 does he play guitar or just yeah, keys? he plays guitar, yeah. That's I just got a thing called a Kemper. That's great. A Kemper. He'll know what that is. Look it up. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, Kemper's cool. Kemper. Okay. How to time management, because he's a busy dude. Well, he wrote these in between periods. Wyatt is a busy dude, too. Time management's hard, man. Um, I try to come up with uh, goals that that have to be done that day. So, like, yeah, do I feel better if I um, make my bed that day and if I um, take my dog on a really long walk that day? For sure. Like, I don't really have to do them. So it's like, if I have something pressing, maybe I'll do that first. And then I'll be like, hey, I did the thing that I had to get done today. So now I can go on the dog walk and whatever. Yeah. I feel like sometimes you, like, our brains are very, like, our procrastination thing is like. What time you wake up? Uh, lately, like, nine, eight, that's pretty good. eight, nine. You work out? Yeah. That's been the, that's what been the. working out? I do a, like, a, I do, like, apps that have, like, you log your stuff every day and they update your your you know weight and your rep you and your by yourself mm-hmm. now i have a, a pt because i you know have to recover from my here oh. here's my here's my big surgery can I, can I say, oh no way bro pretty good right you should come to the zilla gym when you're better aren't you all like shredded now I'm shredded now what did you do to hgh what happened i um stopped eating yeah did you i mean are you like super regular like do you now like eat like a very small limited amount i have a turkey burger for lunch every day and nothing else. And sugar-free ketchup. Nothing for breakfast, nothing for dinner. Nothing for breakfast. Oh, no, and did I have, I have a reasonable dinner. Okay, so you have, like, I, dinner I, I have and dinner. a late lunch, no breakfast. No breakfast. Do you work out before you eat? Yep. Okay. an empty stomach. Fascinating. And fa- and fast from 10 p.m. To, to noon. o'clock. Till 3. So you're not eating lunch till 3. So you did the whole intermittent fasting and everything. Yeah. Look at you. You look so great. Thank you. I hate, uh... I, I'm finally at this weight, and I still hate myself, so. It's, uh... Somebody told you you wouldn't? <laughs> somebody told Isn't you. that funny? Somebody told you getting skinny would Isn't make you funny? not hate yourself? Someone told me I would. Someone's like, you'll love yourself. Dude, you're going to love yourself. <laughs> you, ever see, ever, you ever talked to a bodybuilder? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, Those guys w- look like Optimus Prime, and they're like, I fucking hate myself. It's I'm crazy. Pretty happy. I guess so. It depends. I'm pretty. Actually, I, I shouldn't say that because. I am happier this this weight because I, I I can get up the stairs and stuff. Before I was like, I was two twenty six. I was heavy. That's heavy. It's heavy. You're tall though. You're not like no. Aren't you like six one? I lie about it. Five <laughs> eleven. Here we go. Networking, producing people. I don't know why. What does that mean? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> it is. It is. I don't, um, even, I don't understand the question. Well, like you're you're why? What is he? Sixteen? Yeah. Like you know, first of all. You know, 
whatever career he may have is like still a couple years away, really. Yep. But it's a good question. I always encourage people to just be a good hang. Just be like, just be chill. <laughs> you know, if you're if you're in the room, like uh, like, who would I rather work with? The best guitarist I've ever met, who's kind of a pain in the ass, yeah. or like the really nice dude who I like hanging out with, who's like a pretty good guitarist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy. Interesting. I like that. Could ask about. Could you ask about the future of scoring and the process of writing songs for films like Bond and Pixar? Dude, cool. <laughs> um, scoring is a big endeavor uh it's very collaborative i've done the two movies i did uh alone in terms of like composition i was the only guy and it was too much work for one person in my opinion so i i'll i'm going to be very collaborative in the future ah it's just so it's such a heavy load it's like 45 50 different compositions and the time frame is short for for a movie Uh you're saying yeah and then there's so many notes from director or producers yeah which are fine but it's just like the management of all of it is really Ter- yeah. aggressive. So I'm going to be very collaborative. That, that's what he wants to do. He wants to score. Well, he'd probably be great at it. Yeah. What's your bagel order? Great question. Um, actually, yeah. this is actually a question. It's I, there's a place called Bell's Bagels in Highland Park. I get what they call the North of York. Um, avocado, uh, cashew schmear, um, radish, um, pickled onion, spez hot sauce, and cucumber. Yeah. And really the, good. This is a question from his friend Finn cool what's your favorite dinosaur and do you have a tattoo of it sorry (laughs) i can't believe i'm wasting a grammy Uh time like that i i no, actually i apologize to the audience and i apologize to you my favorite dinosaur (laughs) i never think about dinosaurs um i don't know why they asked that not since i turned like eight have i thought about dinosaurs and no i don't have any tattoos i'm not a big fan of pain and I'm not a thing, big fan of permanent things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Puts yeah. me in a bad place for tat. I have three tattoos, and I, I regret them all. That's cool that you have tattoos, though. No, it's not at all. They got them for YouTube videos. They're like, they're, they're, they're like <laughs> the least Christ. cool things. They were all like dares. I think I have penis on my mouth. Hold on. Is this still there? Wow. Does this say penis? Brian says it's still there. That looks... Jesus Christ. <laughs> it was supposed to go away. How long ago? That was like five years ago. Holy shit. I guess... The guy goes, oh, yeah, don't worry. Inside the mouth, it doesn't stay. And I go, oh, Jason's right. skin is, Jason's like, the cool thing about me is my skin does not regenerate. <laughs> Mine stays. Jason's got a baseball glove. <laughs> you know, listen, you find yourself on Vine at the age of 42. And uh, you got to do what you got to do to send your kids to uh, the nice wow. schools. Yeah, yeah. I won't say the name. The um, Yeah. That's where I'm at. Okay, a little, this is, and, then, and then I must go. Yeah, you um, got to go. The di- okay, when I was in high school trying to fund my like music production career, because I made no money from music until I was like 19 or 20, I was like auditioning for stuff all the time. And I did a voiceover. You know that, like those movies, Walking with Dinosaurs? They're like, they're like informational kind of like pseudo like CGI movies that sort of teach kids about like okay. dinosaurs. And so I did, I was the voiceover for like the dinosaur guide for a Walking with Dinosaurs. So in terms of your son's friend Finn's question, there was a brief time where I knew so much about ornithopods and the late Cretaceous period of the, like I was like an aficionado. Right. And then almost immediately it was like, and like, yeah, because, because you know, you know what I'm not doing? Talking to people about it. You know what I mean? Like, that's how we know everything is we talk to our friends about it. Uh. Nobody wanted to hear about, you know. Whatever the fuck the dinosaurs were called, really but funny. yeah. Oh, my one memory yeah. from that was that 
a lot of like what we think of as dinosaurs from the skeletons or whatever. And a lot of people have debunked. This is like how different a skeletal structure looks from like the outside of the body. And so like people love to like show you like a penguin skeleton and be like, come on, like no way we would have been able to figure out how a penguin looked from a penguin skeleton. Cause right. it's just like a spine. <laughs> and the craziest thing was, was like the sort of, they're not called Tyrannosaurus, but like, but like, a. Um, sorry, a pterodactyl. It's like a type of pterodactyl with a different name. And like the, the CGI renders of it look pretty much like a pterodactyl. Yeah. And this one was like, we think they were probably covered in fur. And I was like, oh my God. Like just the idea of like a huge, like furry yeah. bird. Cool. Yeah. I've seen that with dinosaurs. You can't, uh, yeah. you can't tell the bones. There yes. are no bones. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Great to be here, Jason. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> You guys, go check out Phineas. Go to his website. We'll leave a link. Uh, go just appreciate him. Uh, leave a nice comment. Tell him how thankful we are that he came here today. And special thanks to Wyatt for setting up the Nord. Yeah, thanks I to appreciate Wyatt you. setting up the Nord. Phineas, thank you so much. You're the best. See you next time. Bye. Welcome to a journey into the heart of the Texas Renaissance Festival the nation's largest and rowdiest celebration of medieval fantasy. But what lurks beneath the facade of tights and turkey legs? Well, we dove deep into the empire to uncover a history marred by mystery and misconduct, murders, assaults, and other crimes that tarnish its legacy. This isn't just a fairy tale, it's a cautionary tale of power, fantasy, and the consequences that follow when they all collide. Search for Crime Waves Renaissance Texas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now.